I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Great to be with you on this President's Day. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And as always, we've got a lot of ground to cover in the fastest 60 minutes of radio, even on a holiday. And we're going to try to help you do what we always do, slow things down just a little bit, divide the rage from the reason, elevate the conversation, connect the dots, and help you make the news make sense uh, on this President's Day. And I would remind everyone that it is President's Day. It is uh, more than an opportunity for sales and discounts. Uh, It is a time to reflect on some of the things that actually pull us all together as a country. Uh, Our presidents have done that uh, throughout our history, and we're going to explore that just a little bit as we go through the day today. Uh, i got some fascinating uh, conversations coming up. I'm going to reshare a little bit of my conversation uh, with former National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster. Uh, just had such great insight. I wanted to uh, share some of that as you're uh, cruising around on your President's Day weekend. And uh, we're also going to be joined a little later on in the show today uh, by Maya Jaredot. We're going to look at faith as a dimension of diversity in businesses and in our communities and some really interesting things. She's got a great piece at Deseret.com today. So we'll have uh, Maya coming up uh, with us at 1135 today. And uh, let's get into uh, the happenings of the weekend as we get started. Uh, of course, uh, all eyes were on our nation's capital over the weekend as the impeachment trial of former President Uh, Donald Trump came to a conclusion with a vote on Saturday, uh, a little quicker than many had anticipated uh, that they uh, moved through that rather rapidly. There was a little bit of a surprise moment when some of the House managers uh, decided that they would press uh, initially for uh, testimony and witnesses, which would have extended uh, the trial uh, probably for several weeks had that gone through. They backed off of that and moved forward. They each made their closing arguments and and votes were cast. And of course, there were not 67 votes there for uh, conviction. So the former president was acquitted uh, on the single count, on the single article of impeachment. And of course, the question now is, is what happens next? Where do we go from here? And I, I think one of the, the real challenges is, is we have to really start looking at uh, what is next and how do we move forward Uh, I do think it was interesting that uh, the minority leader, Mitch McConnell, uh, delivered uh, an address just after the vote was taken and the House managers were dismissed and sent back to the uh, House side uh, of the Capitol. And in in doing this, uh, 
it was interesting. Uh, Mitch McConnell, not usually one uh, for a lot of heated conversations uh, or overly controversial conversations. Uh, but he did that uh, in laying out what he thought happened and uh, what he thought should happen next. Former President Trump's actions preceded the riot were a disgraceful, disgraceful dereliction of duty. Even when the president did half-heartedly begin calling for peace, he didn't call right away for the riot to end. He did not tell the mob to depart until even later. The Senate's decision today does not condone anything that happened on or before that terrible day. It simply shows that senators did what the former president failed to do. We put our constitutional duty first. So again, that's uh, the minority leader, uh, Mitch McConnell, following the uh, vote on Saturday. And, you know, it's really interesting. Uh, one of the things that has really jumped out at me over the course of the the trial and as things were presented by the House managers and, of course, the defense uh, by the former president's team is how easy it is and how accustomed we have become to the montage. And so we have these montage moments where a collection of video or audio or sound uh, are spliced together and presented as linear, sequential, and factual. Uh, and that's a that's a real challenge because of the media age that we live in. We are used to being served up these quick hit montages of all kinds of things. And because we are accustomed to that, we tend not to question it. Now, there were a couple of portions of the House managers video montages that they presented throughout the, uh, the course of the trial uh, that had been tampered with. Uh, there was a, a a video or a uh, image captured of a tweet, uh, which was then uh, marked as being one that had been authenticated uh, by Twitter, uh, when in fact it had not. Uh, others, in terms of uh, changing dates, or you can always put a, a a CG. You can put a an image up on a screen and and say that it's this date when it may not be that date, uh, and. And to me, that's the that's a real challenge for all of us uh, is that we have to be careful. We have to push back as consumers of information that we don't just accept the video montage as factual, as 100 percent, as the way it happened. Because cutting and slicing, editing, uh, leaving out parts that might give context to something. Uh, and this goes so far beyond uh the events of the weekend and the impeachment trial, it goes way past that. And, and so we, we have to, to recognize that we know that uh, another real issue is these deep fakes where it looks like someone is saying something when in fact they weren't, that's even easier to do if you are just flashing images up and then you have a lot of cover video or cover images that go over the person who is purportedly talking. And so we, we have to learn to suspend judgment in those settings. And as we consume that information, 
uh, we, we have to be able to look at it a little bit differently and slow it down. Uh, because to me, that's the fear for, for truth is that if things can be tampered with, uh, in fact, there was a, a fascinating uh, exchange between uh, the former president's lawyer, Mr. Vanderveen, uh, and uh, Lana Zak from uh, CBS uh, over this very issue that the House managers had changed some dates and had changed some visual graphics that were in their evidence. Uh, that doesn't sound right to me. Uh, so they had a they had a little exchange back and forth. So how much how much of that editing uh, is okay? Would that be okay in a court of law? Is that okay to consume on our social media feeds? And how do we check that? Uh, is any tolerable, or do we have to throw it all out? With that evidence in a court of law, that evidence would clearly be thrown out. Uh, and and so again, my my point here today is that we have to start thinking differently about what we're consuming. And we can't just take these video montages. We can't just take these as fact. We have to check it. Now, I disagree uh, with a lot of uh, in uh, the media who were now saying and uh, some members of Congress uh, calling for a truth commission. Uh, I do not think the government should be the arbiter of truth. And in reality, I think that's up to each one of us. Uh, we're responsible for the truth, what we put out and what we take in. And we have to check it because until we do that, uh, all we end up with is a lot of partisan arguments, a lot of angry rhetoric, a lot of pointing fingers, placing blame. Well, you did this, but they did this, but so-and-so did that, and so it's all okay in the end, uh, and it's not. And so the ultimate test, the test, the jury is out on all of us. Uh, we have to be our own truth commission. We do not need a government truth commission uh, we need a truth commission for ourselves, and it starts on our devices. It starts with the conversations that we choose to have, uh, wherever we choose to have them, uh, because that's the only way we're going to elevate the nation. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, my conversation with former National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster and strategic empathy. Find out what that is coming up next. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. 